Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Armor Report. Thank you so much for joining. This is a show about stock market investing in what I call the millennial age. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So everything we talk about here begins and ends with algorithms helping us manage our risk. This is a live trading desk. I'm managing my own capital and that of investors. All the business is run through interactive brokers. You can keep up to date, real time, with our model portfolios on our website, RosenthalCapital.com. We have three model portfolios. All of our assets are managed in one of these three disciplines, the classic conservative, the balanced, and the aggressive. What, what changes about those three, what makes them conservative or aggressive is the position size we take. So generally the same exposure in all three, in, in all three portfolios, but with different position sizes. We're willing to take on more risk in the aggressive approach, obviously. We carry more cash in the conservative approach. We have a lot to get to. I've been sick for a week. I had the flu. Thank all of you for the well wishes, the tweets, the emails. I appreciate it. Um, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, so we're constantly fighting something in this house. But everyone's well. Everyone's healthy. And so... A little thank you, God, for that. Um, Major changes occurring, you know, across different fronts. So today what we're going to do is address the equity indexes to start there. We use our algorithms that are designed for the volatility of each index um, that help us know when to increase exposure or reduce exposure or in some cases get short. Very few cases get short. Um, Then what we're going to do is discuss the cannabis space. Anybody who's been following the Armour Report since August knows this is the single most important investment theme on this trading desk. And we are doing tireless research to gather information from every cannabis company we can find to separate the bud from the shaft. Okay, we're trying to find the quality, the best. We're trying to avoid the junk, the high risk, low reward scenarios. I generally don't talk about individual stocks on the show for obvious reasons. One of which being I'm out there trying to buy the stocks myself. But I did tweet out today a group of stocks that we're going to focus on, and that's going to be the U.S.-based cannabis-growing companies, whether that's hemp or marijuana. So I'm going to address that in the middle of the show. And then I'm going to wrap up with a new introduction to the portfolio. I highlighted it on our website. You can go look. I date for you every time we change those model portfolios so you can see whether or not it's a new uh, update. And you'll see there's a new update today and there's a new group that I'll reveal at the end of the, at the end of the show. It's a group I've talked about before. It's one we're fond of. Um, not an easy group to make money in, but we've been making money in this group for the last, I don't know, six months on and off. And we're back at it again. I'll go over that later. 
So let's start with the big indexes. Let's also, before I get there, start with the usual disclaimer on this show. I am not telling you how to run your portfolio. I don't know who you are. I'd be more than happy to help you. Pick up the phone and call me. Go to our website, rosenthalcapital.com, and I'll chat with you and see if I can help you from a risk management standpoint. All I'm doing on this show is educating you on the importance of algorithms and risk management when it comes to managing an equity portfolio. And then I try to highlight for you the favorite groups that we have here, where we invest. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly tell you how much to invest in each group. If you need that direction, again, we've got those model portfolios and we'll help you do it. But for the sake of these YouTube videos, this is educational. This is to help you understand the new playing field we live in, in the millennial age of central bank intervention and high frequency trading. It's completely changed the way the market moves. I'll give you one example. One of the things that your granddad and your dad probably taught you is there's no such thing as a V-shape reversal. Where the market plummets and then reverses and skyrockets. Usually that big run-up is something you should sell. No such thing as a V-shape reversal. That's one of those you know, famous things you'd find in a lot of different technical analysis handbooks over the last X amount of decades. In the millennial market, that's not true anymore. We have um, a market with very little liquidity. We have a, a, a market where, I don't want to digress too much, but this really drives me crazy. Whenever government bodies and billionaires try to offer you advice and tell you they're doing something to help you, they're, they're, they're taking money out of your other pocket as they're pretending to put it in this one. That's just the way life is. Don't rail against it. Just understand it. So at the turn of the century, when everybody in Wall Street was telling you how great it was to get rid of fractions and go to decimal points, when Arthur Levitt, the head of the SEC, said that's the way to fix the market, well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with the market at the time, right? And Arthur Levitt was basically lying to you, okay? He was lying to you. It was a classic penny-wise, pound-foolish bait-and-switch. Brokers are making too much money with fractions. Stocks used to be bid 20, offer 20 and a half. That's a 50 cents in between. Oh, those brokers are making too much money. Let's go to pennies. Okay. Now we're at pennies, guys. How's it feel? Markets rip higher and rip lower because there's no real bid and offer. Brokers can't make any money at a half a penny. So they don't stand up for supply. They're not in there making markets. Instead, thank you, Arthur, you ushered in the ear of high-frequency trading and algorithms. Now nobody knows where the real bid and offer is. Everything's in a dark pool. Wow, thanks. Thanks for helping me out. Thanks for helping the little guy. Give him a couple pennies in his pocket because you, you tighten the spread and ruin the liquidity of the market. Thanks. There's a waste. There's a waste. 
didn't save you a penny. Oh, it allows you to it allows you to trade online. How's that going for you? Market rips one way, rips the other way. There's no real liquidity. People can't figure out where it is, and all the institutions are trading in dark pools. So much for that little experiment. But instead of being upset about it, right, we wrote algorithms. It's the new playing field. And V-shaped rallies are real. They're real. Because that collapse in December was a liquidity vacuum. With high-frequency trading and algorithm taking, taking those pennies that you were supposed to be getting by going to decimals, those high-frequency traders and algorithms are taking. And let me tell you something. They're taking a lot more than pennies. No liquidity, high volatility, rips shares out of shareholders and investors' hands. These guys make a killing on it. And it's a lot more than the 50 cent spread. I'll tell you that. What we do on our desk is we write our own algorithms to help us manage the risk. Now, I told you in the last time I was on the show, more than a week ago, we were shorting, 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 right? First time in a long time we were out there shorting. The major change today is that we've booked our profits on the short side. I know the market just broke down hard on Friday. Why aren't we still short? We're not short anymore because, <coughs> excuse me, in a decade, it's been proven over and over again that shorting a Fed that's incredibly dovish is a wasted endeavor. Now, can the market go lower from here? Absolutely. I'm not predicting that one way or the other. I don't know. I generally don't short the market, particularly not in the last 10 years. There are moments in time where we go out there and we get short, try to make some money on the decline. But the Fed last week came out so unbelievably dovish. It has never paid to be an investment short in an environment like that. Last year, it paid to be short. The Fed was a hawk. The Fed was raising rates so you could be more aggressive short. Right now, technically, yeah, it looks like the market wants to go down. But, and we made a little bit of money last week. Okay, great. But theoretically, as an investor, I don't want to be shorting in a market where the Fed and central banks all around the world are stepping on the gas of liquidity and being dovish. I'd rather be in a position, not that I'm running out there buying stocks today, because it looks like the market's headed lower. Okay, great. Let it go lower. I'm doing my homework. I'm checking my whiteboard. I'm high grading the stocks that I want to own. And I'm looking for the entry point. I'm now looking at this market as that V-shaped rally is real. Let's cut off the bottom of that V. That was just panic and a lack of liquidity because of the high-frequency algorithmic world we live in. And what we really have is a consolidation in a space. We're trying to break out the top of that space. I don't like the fact that small caps are underperforming, right? Last year, that was the canary in the coal mine that killed the market. But it coincided with a Fed that was raising rates. Right now, we have small caps underperforming, Fed incredibly dovish, 
Central banks around the world incredibly dovish. I would rather hold cash if I'm, if I'm negative, if I'm scared, if I don't like the market. I'd rather hold cash than be short in a market where central banks are being this aggressive. So this is not a call that the market can't go down. It can go down. I don't know. It may. But I'd rather spend my time doing research on companies, gathering information that will make me a lot of money over time, and look to buy the weakness as opposed to try to profit off the weakness. I'm hoping for weakness, and I want to look to buy it. Our algorithms are still telling us to hold cash. It's risk off across the board, right? So the wild volatility, September, October, November, December, January, February, into March, seven months, guys, of extreme volatility that's keeping our algorithms on the sidelines, telling us we can't go, you know, overly aggressive in the market. But during that period, we're buying some of our favorite groups. And of course, we're focusing on the cannabis stocks and we're making money there. Okay, let's sit, shift to um, the cannabis story. Big announcements this week. Kronos is announcing earnings. That should be interesting. Stock's up 10% today after getting whacked last week. Um, these aren't really earnings stories yet. The stock actually goes down because the, the earnings aren't good enough. It's kind of be kind of a buying opportunity. It's not... These stocks are not going up and down on earnings yet. That's later in the cycle. Right now, they're concepts. So weakness on earnings doesn't really mean anything. Um, I've been doing a lot of work, especially last week. I was sick, but I was on the desk listening to conference calls and talking to well, not the first part of the week. I was so sick. But later in the week, talking to some management teams, covering a lot of conferences online. Um, and, it, and, and I've been working on this thesis for a bit here. I've shared it a little bit with you. You guys have heard me talk about the importance of Charlotte's Web. It's one of our biggest positions. This is not a recommendation for you to run out and buy it today. It's not a recommendation to run out and buy any of these stocks today. They've been on fire for the last week. Maybe you guys saw the earnings announcement of Curaleaf last week. That was kind of the dinner bell ringing for this whole group. These stocks came public last year. They've made a nice tight base, cup and handle bases for those of you who are William O'Neill acolytes. Now they're blowing out of those bases. Curaleaf did it on an earnings announcement. Part of that announcement was an announcement that CVS is going to be carrying their CBD products in 800 stores. That's just the beginning, guys. If you watched the CVS chairman, CEO, talk to Jim Cramer last week, he said that the reason we're doing this is that we're having customers come in in droves asking for CBD products. CBD is legal in this country, made out of hemp. I take Charlotte's Web. I think it's the greatest product ever.
the U.S.-based cannabis companies are caught in a in an, a, a, a legal vortex, and it's creating an unbelievable, undervalued opportunity for investors, for individual investors. I'm going to give you a couple of statistics that blow my mind. I hope it blows yours. Number one, there's not a single U.S. mutual fund that is allowed to own or does own cannabis companies in the U.S. They can't buy them. Violates federal law. There's not a single exchange-traded fund that owns a single U.S.-based cannabis company. Can't do it. The Toronto Stock Exchange will not allow Canadian ETFs to buy U.S. cannabis companies. It violates federal law. They'll get delisted. Are you guys aware of the fact that U.S.-based cannabis companies cannot open bank accounts? They literally have to pay the IRS taxes by bringing in bags of cash to the IRS headquarters. They can't do a wire transfer. These are the facts of the case, and they are undisputed. It's impossible for the market to stay like this. The disadvantage that U.S. cannabis companies are are facing right now, they cannot access U.S. capital markets. This is why all of these companies list on the Canadian Stock Exchange, the CSE, which is a small child or small satellite of the Toronto Stock Exchange. Many online brokers won't let you buy these stocks on the CSE. They won't let you. I had to fight through interactive brokers to get me, to allow me to buy some of these names. Compliance didn't want me to do it. I get it. I get it. The the, the CSE is a small Canadian exchange with low thresholds of entry, therefore higher risk. And so compliance departments just say, we don't buy that exchange. But there's a unique situation here. These companies can't list anywhere else. I mean, Charlotte's Web's a juggernaut that's cash flow positive, selling a completely legitimate product that the farm bill now allows. And yet it has to be listed on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Why? It's because of the federal law in the U.S. And until they figure out that law, individual investors have a unique opportunity. We don't have the restrictions that mutual funds and ETFs and endowment funds and pension plans and 401k plans have. We can understand the risk and go buy these assets before the banking laws change. And when they change, these stocks are going to go through the roof. You want a little taste of what these stocks will do. Look at shares of Charlotte's Web in the last week. I submit to you that one of the reasons the stock is going up in a straight line is that an exchange-traded fund, one of the largest funds in Canada, has petitioned the Toronto Stock Exchange and has received approval 
to begin buying Charlotte's Web and putting it into their cannabis ETF. They, they petitioned the, the TSX and said, look, this company grows hemp. Hemp is allowed under federal law in the United States of America. Why won't you let us buy the stock? And it came back, we will. It's the only U.S. cannabis company that this ETF can buy. What do you think the stock's going to do, guys? It's not rocket science here we're talking about. This is simple supply and demand. There will be a change to this law. What are the risks right now? We don't know when the change to the law is going to be. We know there's a states act that's being bandied about in Congress. We know there's a banking bill, banking law, two different laws that are acts or whatnot that they're trying to pass through Congress. At some point, one of these things is going to pass that will put the U.S. based cannabis companies on the same playing field with the same access to capital markets and banks as the Canadian companies. I'm going to wrap up this thought with this, with this, this last thought right here. This isn't really apples to apples, but it's just going to give you an idea of, of the situation. Okay. Listen to this. This really blew my mind. Listen to this. I was doing research on a company called green thumb. GTII is the symbol. I suggest you guys do research on your own about these companies. I can't tell you what stocks to buy, okay? Go do your own homework. All I can do is point you in the right direction. And you have to manage your own risk and do your own homework. But while I was going through their website, there's a presentation. You can go do a look at it. There's an investor presentation on their website, Green Thumbs website. There's a great slide in there that I think really crystallizes the opportunity here for these companies. The Canadian cannabis market, the entire Canadian cannabis market is estimated to be about $8 billion. Canadian cannabis companies have a market capitalization of roughly $40 billion five times the market size of their home country. The U.S.-based cannabis market is estimated to be $80 billion, and yet the market cap of U.S.-based cannabis companies is around $15 billion. Look at that disparity. Look at that litmus test of disparity. That will change. Start doing your homework and figuring out what companies to own. There's a lot of junk out there. You got to be careful. There's risks out there. The FDA just lost their chief, Gottlieb. He's gone. New FDA chief is coming in. We don't know how he's going to want to handle CBD. Okay. CBD is considered a drug now if it's in an isolate form because GW Pharmaceutical got approval from the FDA. So there's going to be bumps along the road. There could be some pitfalls. There could be some danger. We're doing research. 
on Charlotte's Web, Curaleaf, Acreage, Green Thumb, Cresco Labs. These are our five favorites we're doing research on, but there's other companies out there. We're doing research on a whole bunch more. I bring it up today and I highlight this group just to share with you the undervalued nature of the situation. When institutional money begins to flow into this space, these stocks will go up by multiples. Now, we don't know when that's going to start happening. We need some regulations and some rules that are changed. And God knows politics is anybody's game. You never know when that's going to happen. There's your risk. That's why they're undervalued. You have to determine whether or not you want to take the risk. But the value is there if you do and if things go our way. Okay. Also, um, Charlotte's Web's announcing earnings this week, so that might be an interesting call to be on. That's on the 28th. Um, how much time do I have left here? I probably should go about this. Well, I got about four minutes. All right. Four minutes is all I need on this topic. I'm going to wrap up with this, guys. Okay. Um, we're going at the precious metal stocks again. That's the group we're buying again. We've made money twice. If you're following along with us, we are in an uptrend for gold and silver companies, the mining companies that we haven't seen in seven years. They've been in a brutal downtrend. That seven-year downtrend has been broken. We buy these stocks when they're close to the 58-day moving average. When they rocket higher, we sell some out. We raise our stops. If we feel like we have to, we go back to cash. We wait to see how they behave. We come back at them. So last week when the Fed got ridiculously dovish, these stocks performed wonderfully right at the 50-day moving average and reversed. On that reversal, we put our position out long again. We used GDX and GDXJ to do it. You can go out there and buy the individual stocks. Feel free. I like the ETFs. It makes it easy for me. So we're getting exposure to that space again. Those stocks look great. I'm not going to twist your ear about, or bend your ear, however you want to say it, about the merits of gold and silver and why we think they're going a lot higher. Because the reason, truth be told, we've thought that for seven years, okay, and it's been wrong. And this is the first year it's starting to be right. So I want to tread cautiously. I don't want to fall in love with the idea. But if this is the year and if we're going to be right, there could be some big moves in these stocks. When Wall Street finally falls in love with this space again, there's a very small amount of market cap out there, and these stocks go up a lot. So the reward is worth the risk. And everything I do on this desk, every stock I look at, every investment theme we look at, every investment we take, it's based on whether or not we're on the right side of probability and statistics and whether or not the reward is worth the risk we're taking. We think it is here. That's why we're getting along this space again. I hope you guys are safe out there. I hope you use weakness to get long and strength to book profits. I hope this has been helpful. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.